Good morning, church. Six minutes will be good afternoon. So good afternoon, church. So we, we have different services, and, uh, and, and though we have a plan when we come to a service like this, uh, sometimes the Spirit is speaking differently based on who's in the congregation. And uh, we're going to talk about Moses this morning and, and learning how to put God first. But the life of Moses is so incredible because as an Old Testament character, we actually see more of his life on display. So sometimes when we read through the New Testament, you know, it's uh, a lot of principles and it's doctrine and, and things like that. But when you get to see really the character flaws and you get to see more of the decisions in Old Testament characters. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to identify with certain portions of Moses. And especially, you know, a lot of people raise their hands for anxiety and fear. That's normal to all people. Fear, anxiety, that's normal. That's, that's part of a human response to something outside of our control. Okay? But I really believe that God wants to begin to meet you in those feelings, in, in those things. In, in what you're experiencing. And until we understand that God is in control, we're going to struggle. Whenever we think that something is greater than God or something uh, is dangerous or something uh, can't be changed, anxiety and fear is going to rule. And I'm not, some people have a lot of reasons for, for fear and anxiety, but I'm just saying there has to be a place where we're inviting God into our conversations that he wants to begin to, to help you overcome. So he's not disappointed. He's not frustrated by your human condition. You guys with me? Okay. So don't beat yourself up for what you experience as a human. Don't because it's just part of being a human. But I, I, I want us to... Uh, to learn that, that God actually utilizes our frailties sometimes to minister to somebody else. So usually what we do is we wait until we have everything perfect before we do something, right? Well, how many know there's nobody perfect? So a lot of people are waiting for something that's never going to happen. And we actually need to begin serving or helping people in the same boat, uh, to allow God to utilize that. I know I'm getting off track here, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to say this, that it's actually going to bring healing to you and the person that you're helping. Okay. All right. God is wanting to grant you freedom church. He's wanting you to know more than, than your state of freedom. He's wanting you to know that he is with you. Because the key to all of this is your connection with the Lord, not the secondary outcome. I am going down a strange road, but I have to say this. Because there's some people who believe that if this situation or this condition changes, I'll be okay. But there'll always be another situation, another condition. And God is wanting you to know Him in the situation and condition and regardless of the outcome, you learn to live with him. Okay. I beat that dead horse straight to death again. Okay. I did want to uh, thank Pastor Chris. She's on vacation for, for tackling the topic of unanswered prayer. Listen, uh, church, as a Christian, there's mysteries. 
There's some things that we're not going to know. There's some things that as we progress in Christ, we're going to be able to look back and go, oh, I see now. Some things are, are prayers that are answers are on the way, but they haven't yet. And so learning how to trust God is uh, really important. So I love characters in the Bible. I love studying them. I love preaching about them. Because for me, it, it helps me to rest and relax when I see a lot of issues in my life. Because everybody in the Bible had issues. And so I, I love how God is intimately involved in our lives. I love how he um, leads and guides us. And, and I love how um, he helps us to be transformed by the person of Jesus. So all that to say, let's stand and we're going to read about Moses this morning. And we're going to read from Exodus 3. Let's read. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will not turn aside and oh, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cries because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Don't you, aren't you glad that you have a God that understands your sorrow? You have a God that knows. That word know is an intimate word. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Termites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's pray. God, speak to us. Speak to us about your power. Speak to us, God, that you, you utilize us. You utilize us on behalf of your kingdom for the benefit of others. And regardless of where we come from, regardless of what we've done, God, you're always working in our midst. You're working in us, but you also want to work through us. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to give you a little backstory. Chapter 1, we find that it says that Joseph was dead. So Joseph was a slave in Egypt. And God had given him the ability to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh has this dream and uh, Joseph is able to interpret it. And it's talking about a coming famine that is going to be pretty bad. And he said, there's going to be seven good years, seven bad years. And Joseph gave Pharaoh a plan. 
in order basically to save Egypt, but also the surrounding world. And so Joseph followed through, and of course it happened in the way that it did. And the Pharaoh said, why don't you bring your family into Egypt and they can have a place to live and, and to shepherd. So over the course of time, Joseph dies. The Pharaoh that knew Joseph died, and now there is somebody else in his place. This is probably 100 years later. And the Pharaoh looks out, and he sees the Hebrew children multiplying. They're growing, and he is afraid because he thinks that this, these people may overthrow Egypt. So he enslaves them, puts chains on them, afflicts them, makes them do a lot of work. And, you know, the, the people are groaning against uh, this oppression. And one of the edicts or the laws that they gave is whenever you see, gave it to the midwives, whenever you see a Hebrew uh, wife about to give birth, when that baby's born, kill it. And so it says the midwives, they feared God. They would not do this. They would say, well, by the time we get there, the women have already given birth and we couldn't do anything about it. So God honored that and continued to bless the Hebrew people. Well, in chapter two, we see that Moses is born and his mom looked at him and said, he is a beautiful child. Now, has anybody ever looked at that newborn kid? Those kids are ugly. They're wrinkled with cone heads. My son's head was about this big when he came out. And she's saying there's something different about this child. He's marked for something. And so she, for three months, she nurses him. And then she knows that we're not going to be able to hide uh, Moses. So or he doesn't have a name yet. We're not going to be able to hide this child. So creates a basket and puts him in the basket and sends it down the river to where Pharaoh's daughter is bathing. And Pharaoh's daughter hears the cry of the child and draws near to the basket. And the Bible says she had compassion on him. And here's a principle as a church that we need to pay attention to. Sometimes you need to be listening for the cry of people. There are people that are always speaking are crying out, or they're hurting. And what happens when, when you hear the cry, the second thing is you need to draw near. Because proximity matters to solving problems or helping people. And one of the things that I'm concerned about is the church has kind of moved away from the very things we're called into. And as Christians, we're actually supposed to help and come alongside some of the people that we have now cut off and we don't want to help. And so, of course, she... Uh, the, the, the sister steps in and says, Hey, do you want me to, to have that baby nursed? And she said, yes, I'll pay you for it. And so the sister of, of Moses takes the child to the mom and the mom nurses, uh, who will be called Moses. And eventually it's time to wean the baby. And the mom presents the child to Pharaoh's daughter and she names him Moses, which means to draw out. For her, she drew, she drew him out of the water. But also, I think, prophetically, this is, this is uh, Moses being drawn out of what he knew into the next season of his purpose. 
And so one of the things that I want us to understand as a church, and you're going to hear me talk about this over and over and over again, is I believe every person was created on purpose, for purpose, and with purpose. All right? So God's process, the way he leads you in your life, reveals your design. Okay? Every person in here, you came out with a certain temperament. You came out with certain abilities. Right? If you have two kids, how many know they're different? And that's because God, you know, in Psalm 139 talked about, hey, he put them together. He, 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 he was very purposeful in how he created you. But your design speaks to your purpose. So when we look at the life of Moses, he was trained to be a leader in Egypt. He was a powerful man. This is a world power. So he was trained in military. He had to know how to lead a military. He was educated, he could read, he could write. He had to understand trade and commerce because he had to be able to negotiate with other countries. He had to know geography, so he had to know other areas that surrounded the nation. So this was a guy who was trained and he was powerful. And we have this transition point, though, where he begins to, to look at his life and he recognizes that he's called to a people, his people. And how many know we've been talking about the, the idea of we, God, us, them, and you. Well, he begins to see them maybe for the first time. Exodus 2, 11 through 14. It says, now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out of out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, the two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? And then he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses is trying to fulfill his purpose, his design but he's doing it the wrong way. Anybody ever had a God moment, but you did it the wrong way? You got a God idea. You want to do the right thing. You want to honor your wife. And then you do something and you get into an argument because you did it wrong. Or you want to, you want to serve your kid or do something and you do it wrong. And it actually blows up in your face. Look at politics. Look at politics. I think generally there's people who want to do some, some right things. But what happens is they tend to manipulate to get people on their side. Instead of actually answering the God-given mandate of being a leader. And so I'll, this is what happens is Moses, he wants to do the right thing, but he does it the wrong way. And because of that, now he knows that Pharaoh wants to kill him, so he has to go run. And it says that he, he runs to uh, another area. And so Moses would learn to shepherd in this season of his life for 40 years. And shepherding would be part of the skill set that he would learn and he would use. But I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I ask God a lot of questions. Is, is this what you intended for my life? Because this is not what I thought I would do. God, did I mess up and that's why my life is this way? Anybody ever ask that? God, are you mad at me? And that's why this is happening in my life? Did I blow it? Because very rarely I have found most people, their life follows a very perfect line. 
And I see a lot of Christians struggling over these questions. So I I know he's got to be thinking 40 years of the best teaching in the world, best preparation. And I'm now I'm a shepherd on the backside of the desert. I've heard a lot of Christians talk about how God loves to strip us to nothing. I don't know if I agree with that. I'll tell you why. Because every person that he calls, he's trained or he's equipped or he's got them ready. This is what I believe God does. I don't think God has to strip us of our gifting. I think he doesn't want us to lean in our gifting more than him. You guys following me? Right? Because, well, I just, I, I, I just want to give up everything and let God do something. That's not the way God operates. The problem with our gift is that we can only get what our gift can provide. The problem with our gift is we can only get what our gift can provide. And it limits us to what we know and not what God can do. So let me explain what I mean by that. There are times when God will give us a God-given vision. Something that's bigger than us. Something that is bigger maybe even than our congregation. And immediately we take a God-given vision and we put our pea-sized human brains onto it. And immediately limit it. And go, well, that can't be done. Right? God wants us to lean into him. He is supernatural. We're not. Right? But he actually wants to take what we have, what we've learned, and utilize it on behalf of somebody else. You guys with me? Awesome. So Moses is learning to shepherd this skill, but he's also learning humility. And I want to explain what humility is. Put that quote on the screen. Humility does not mean thinking less of yourself than of other people. Nor does it mean living, having a low opinion of your own gifts. It means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. The humility which consists in being a great deal occupied about yourself and saying you are of little worth is not Christian humility. It is one form of self-occupation and a very poor and futile one at that. And this was the the Archbishop of Canterbury. But basically, I see a lot of Christians who, they they call it humility, but they actually put themselves down. And they undercut actually what Jesus did in their life. And I know for me, I'm just who I am. I don't think I'm above anything. I don't think I'm beneath anything. I just want to be who I am. And that's what I believe that God has called us to do. Take what God has given us and utilize it to help other people. So I believe there are a lot of people in this room who are having a backside of the desert season. It feels like God has forgotten you. You you kind of have uh, find yourself in a place that you didn't plan on. You're wondering what the next step is. And you're wondering if God can actually do anything because it seems like your life is pretty messed up. And it's important that we understand that there are seasons to God. How many know that uh, we, we plant corn in Nebraska? If you don't know, you will know. So here's what happens is there, there's four seasons. One is a spring season that lasts about a day in Nebraska because it's usually freezing to hot almost immediately. But there's a planting season. And you plant the corn 
And there's a summer season where things are beginning to grow, but you have to tend it. You have to pull the weeds. You have to water it. You have to make sure you're taking care of it. Then you have a fall season that what happens? You harvest. That's right. And then you have a winter season. And you need winter seasons in your life because winter seasons where things die. So sometimes we get habits. Sometimes we get thoughts. Sometimes we tend to take for granted what God wants to do in our life. And God will allow some things to die in order to get you back on track or to maybe move you in a different direction. And Moses is in this new season. When he named his child Gershom, it actually means to be thrust out. So this is the season he's in. He was drawn out as a child. Now he's being thrust out as an adult. And God is at work in his life. So some people in here, you're in seasons of preparation. You're learning something new or you're in a new job or you're new in a new assignment. Some of you guys, you're in a season of parenting. And unfortunately, your life is not your own. Those kids have your time and your energy and, and moms, you're having to invest everything you are in these kids. Some of you guys are in a season of correction. Correction is not bad. So if, if you had an angry parent or, you know, foster care or whatever it is, we tend to think correction is a bad thing. But correction is not a bad thing. The Bible says if you don't correct, you don't love. So the way God corrects us, though, is he's going to correct in a way that that helps us to grow, that produces health, that produces life. And then some of you are in a season of loss. You've lost your dream or maybe you've lost somebody or you lost a job. Or maybe you've lost courage. And all of us want breakthrough, but a lot of us don't want the seasons of preparation we don't want the, the, the seasons of loss and we don't want the seasons of hiddenness where it seems like, man, does my life even count? But God uses all of these. So 40 years in the desert prepared Moses for his ultimate assignment. And as I look at our church, we are in a season that God is, is changing our position. He's changing what he wants to do in our church. For, for many years, we've been very internal. We want people to get to our church. We want people to receive in our church. But we haven't done a lot of things outside the church. Okay? And I'm not talking about going and singing outside the church. Nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about finding out what's in our community and helping to solve a problem. Something that maybe we've created these invisible lines that we don't go do. I'm telling you, God is inviting this church to help be part of solutions outside of our church. There's too many people in our congregation that has giftings or talents or abilities or stories with God or things that you've come out of for us not to begin to take that to the people who need it most. Okay? Verse 3. So Moses is tending sheep. And he's on the backside of the desert. And this is what it says. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. There's an interesting thing. Because God waited. He waited for Moses to actually turn aside. So he didn't cry out from the bush. He didn't try to get Moses' attention. Some Jewish historians believe that bush is always burning. 
And it's only those who are actually paying attention that will see it. And so he waits until Moses turns aside and then God speaks. And I'm telling you, church, there are burning bushes all over our city. But a lot of times we don't actually want to look at them. We don't want to hear them. We don't want to deal with them because they usually come as a problem. Or they come in a group of people that we don't want to deal with. And God is inviting us to be part of creating solutions to problems. But we got to be willing to turn aside and actually find God in that burning bush area. So I'm challenging our church. We need to change the way we think. Because if we don't have the right mindset, we won't be able to walk it out. And then secondly, if we don't, if we don't have God's heart, we won't be able to do it either. We need to be able to change our minds so that we can see. And we need to have God's heart to have the courage to walk it out. So there is a timing to God. And we need our, 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 sorry, our obedience to walk it out. Exodus 3.7 says this. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. I want to ask you a question. Do you think God grieves over broken people? Do you think he grieves over broken people that aren't Christians? We sure? Because as a Christian, I'm not sure we're engaging in the people who maybe God hears. I'm not, I'm not down on our church. I'm not saying that. But I am challenging us. What are we going to do? If the people won't come here. We bypass people all the time. We do it in our jobs. We do it on the roads. We do it in, in uh, you know, Pastor Raphael talks about people that uh, his son plays baseball and there's people on his team. But what are we doing in the world around us that tells people that Jesus loves them? And I just want to tell you that we don't need burning bushes anymore. Anybody ever wanted to have like this God encounter that changes your entire life? Right? So here's my question. Are you willing to walk out what he says to you in the encounter? Because this is the challenge. It's one thing to have an encounter of God, but then he goes, hey, just want to let you know I got to send you back to your biggest fear and your biggest failure. And hey, the people aren't going to listen and neither is Pharaoh. And it's going to be really difficult and you're going to... You're going to go, why did you even call me here? Right? Welcome to Christianity. Real Christianity. How many know, though, that God is big enough? That this is actually where we get to see the incredible nature of God is in the place that we're afraid. In the place that's bigger than us. So uh, you guys have heard a little bit of the story, and I just wanted to give you a little more clarification. God was really kind to us uh, in this process of, of being the lead pastor. And I told you, I, I did not ever think about this position. This was not something. Uh, I just, maybe it was an invisible line that I drew. I don't know, but I never thought about the position. So through the, the course of time, the, the board said, okay, you've gone through... 
You've written a prospectus and you've done all these things, informal and informal meetings. We're asking you to submit your application. And there was a deadline and Chris and I fasted to the deadline. And we woke up that morning and God had clearly spoken. And so we submitted our application. But it was one of those hand-wringing things. Because if I'm being honest, part of me went, I don't know if I can do it. What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have the ability? What if I, my family is hurt because I'm a terrible pastor? What if the congregation suffers because I'm not a good pastor? What if my relationship with God is broken because I'm not good at what I'm doing? But there was other things. What if this is all about meetings and messages and not about transformation? God, what? And so I'm I'm wrestling over this with God. So we submitted the application on Sunday. So that was on a Thursday. On Sunday, a woman walks up to me and said, Pastor Jason, I saw you in a vision. She said, you were in this field And you were working and you had work boots on and you had work clothes on and somebody gave you an assignment. You took it and you opened it. And when you opened it, your face fell. You were very discouraged. And you closed it and you said, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. And she said, normally there's a way that people go about to get to this other assignment. But God gave you a shortcut. And when you got to your assignment, there were people who were ready to work. They were happy to see you. And the the field was incredibly fruitful. And here's the thing. Here's why that was special to me. It's because really only God knew the depths of what was in my heart. And God said, hey, though, will you trust me with with the future? If you'll just do what I'm asking you to do. I don't need you. I can raise up anybody to do this. But if you'll do this. Watch what will happen. And this is what God wants to do in every person's life. So God loves taking us from seasons of recalibration to seasons of impossibility. Let me tell you what that means. He's getting your life in order and all of a sudden he sends you to something that's bigger than you. He invites you into something that only he can help you do. So one of the greatest gifts God can give us is our need of him. We pray for blessing and God goes, okay, I'm going to give you a situation that you're going to need me in. The need of him. Verse 11. I just think this is really interesting. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Still doesn't feel good enough. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. He's saying the very places that you've been so faithful for so many years, I'm going to bring those people out and it's going to be on your turf. Because I'm going to prove to you that I know what I'm doing. There was a, uh, years ago, there was an opportunity. There was a missionary who came and she was a missionary to Thailand and Burma. And she wouldn't go, because of war uh, between those countries, uh, people would be displaced. And she would go and minister. So she would take stuff to kids and she would feed people. And so they would take these boats. And a lot of times she was shot at by armies. And she'd have to negotiate with armies to get through. And I remember her telling the story on a Saturday night to her young adult crew. 
And then she came back and she told the same story on, on Sunday. And I, I remember after hearing her, the Lord prompted me to go ask her a question. And the question was, uh, what do you need? Julie, what do you need? And, you know, she gave me the spiritual answers. Oh, you can pray for us. Well, prayer's good. But I said, well, what do you need? She said, oh, you could just, you know, encourage us sometimes. And I said, okay, prayer and encouragement, but what do you need? And Pam was standing there and she hit her and said, Julie, tell him what you need. She said, I need a car. And so we did some research. It was $17,000. Our young adult community rallied behind that, created a race. Our church rallied. And in seven weeks, we raised the $17,000 just like that, right? To ask a question, what do you need? But what happened was then we began asking a bigger question, right? What does Omaha need? What's the biggest need in Omaha? We said inner city because there were some some things that were happening in the inner city. Some uh, people were dying and, um, and, and we were saying, how can we be a part, part of a solution? So we said, well, who's working in the inner city? The Abide Network. So we contacted the Abide Network and they said, yeah, yeah. We said, we're going to support you in our next race. And I see Zach. You over there, Zach? Zach over there? No, he's not. Um, he, he said, hey, let's, let's create this race. Let's take it forward. And we put a goal on it of $25,000. That's a lot of money. So we planned and, and uh, we, we contacted this race in St. Louis. And our, uh, I remember getting this report. They said, he said, you'll be lucky to get 100 people in your race. And I said, well, how many did they have? 1,186. I said, the goal is 1,187. Right? So anyway, we watched over the summer months and people were signing up. 600, 700, 800. But there was still this large gap. And I remember that night and there were hundreds of people. We held it at midnight and it was hundreds of people were lining up. And I remember being there at the tables and our young adults just did an incredible job. And I remember it going 800, 900. We're handing out their stuff. A thousand, a thousand and fifty, eleven hundred, eleven fifty, eleven eighty six, eleven eighty seven, twelve hundred and fifty. Raised twenty five thousand dollars all because we asked a question. What do you need? And then it went, the next year it was $35,000. And lighthouses are now in neighborhoods in our city where Christians live and they serve their community. And the question that I'm asking the church is, do you have the courage to ask God, what do you need? As an individual, as a family, and then as a church. Because there are things that God can do in and through your life that maybe we haven't even actually asked. What do you need, God? You may be praying for your family. You may be asking for forgiveness. You may be trusting God with your finances and your giving. You may be putting in a resume or it may be putting in a uh, a resignation. You may be taking ownership for what you did. You may be trusting God that what you went through, that God is actually bigger than that. For some of you, it may be time to move on from your past. 
It may be daring to look at the world around you and asking God, what do we need to do? It may be asking God for his heart with the people that you despise or reject. It may be asking you, he may be asking you to be a solution in an area of your biggest fear or failure or regret. You're going to keep hearing me say this church. We have to create, uh, stop creating artificial boundaries to the gospel. The very people that make us most nervous are probably the people that God's calling us to. The gospel is powerful. Jesus is powerful. And our job is simply to go serve and take the gospel where it needs to go. I just believe we're called to be the most creative and resourceful and fearless people on the earth. The most selfless people on the earth. Would you stand with me? danger of the in-between seasons even if you messed up so Moses messed up he did right in identifying he did wrong by what he did he killed and then he, he spent the rest of like 40 years of his life and I'm sure in his mind he went well, that's it I'm done and the danger of being in this season is that you actually begin to cut God off from your future your past now dictates the rest of your life. What you did, you actually tell God, what I did is greater than what you can do. And we limit the cross and we limit the sacrifice of Jesus and we begin to put it, God at an arm's length. And God is actually wanting access to your life. He's wanting access to your fear. He's wanting access to your regrets. He's wanting access to your mess ups. But he's also wanting you to go to ask, be bold enough to ask the question, what do you need? You want to you live a, a, a totally sold out Christian life? Ask him what he needs. He'll show you. And he'll, he'll prepare you. And he'll give you what you need in order to walk it out. God, I know there's people in this place and for years they've beaten themselves up for years they've excluded themselves from your grace or they've excluded themselves from from you operating in their life because they believe that their mistakes are greater than your grace but there's other people in this room you've been talking to them you've been speaking to their heart God and they're afraid to step out they're afraid to pursue because they don't know what it means. I'm asking God that today you would actually, through your Holy Spirit, give them power, give them grace, God. Give them breakthrough, God. Give them clarity, God. For our church, God, I pray that we would hear the cries, that we would see the people, that we would draw near to the need, God. Because there's burning bushes all over the city. If we'll just turn aside because you're always where the people are. You're always where the brokenness are. And that's where you call us to.
Help us to see. Help us to hear, God. And give us courage to step out and do something about it. So here's what I want us to do. I love the altar. Man, for years when I had, my life was so messed up, I would hit the altar over and over and over. Because at the altar is where we get altered. It's where we're changed. It's where God confirms things in our heart. We live in such a, a, a hasty culture that they want to get outside as quickly as possible, right? But this is where God meets you. This is where God solidifies or speaks to you. If you know that God is speaking to your heart about decisions that you need to make, are you willing to pray the prayer? God, what do you need? Because I'm your guy or I'm your your girl to do that. Then I want you to come forward. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. We expect God to meet you in this place. So I am going to ask that you'll take right there. Stay right there. There's enough room that we can come in front of you. Would you guys stand? Would you stand? Thank you for your humility. I want to be able to lay hands on you. Come on, church. Man, if you knew what God wants to do for your life. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would begin to overshadow God, that you would begin to fill them with your spirit, that you would begin to help them, God. That they wouldn't give in to fear. They wouldn't listen to the voice of the enemy. They wouldn't listen to their doubts. That God, you would speak clearly and directly to them, God. For those that are are carrying years of the past they keep carrying it God that today you break it off God that forever it's dealt with forever God it is put in the ground you set them free awaken this generation to your plans and your purposes God we pray